You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry, Portfolio Manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. I was just looking at a graph of the All Share Index over the last 12 months. It's gone nowhere. It's gone sideways. Yeah, it's gone sideways to down. And okay, 12 months is not a long time because you're a long-term investor and you often speak about commodity cycles, for example. And you hopefully you are in very close to the bottom of the commodity cycle because you have, as you've said on a couple of times on this podcast, been nibbling away at the commodities. But it's sometimes you sometimes get a bit despondent to have a look at my screen, which I'm doing now. And they all share down another 0.3%. It's draining, Wayne. No, but look, these things happen. eh? Um, just a, a small correction. The market's slightly down year to date, but the one year, it's up about 14%. Are you on sure? On a one-year basis. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was just yeah, looking. But, it, but that doesn't matter. Okay. Year to, year to date, it, it's absolutely flat. And that's relatively normal for, I suppose you can call it, a high interest rate, high inflation cycle, both in South Africa and worldwide. Mm. It's not that unusual for the stock market to be, in fact, the norm and the normal will be the stock market will be down. So it's, it's, it's behaving, I suppose, appropriately given this, the state of the cycle, you know, high interest rates or rising interest rates, rising inflation, peaking inflation, and then, then the next stage of the cycle starts to hopefully is falling inflation and more particularly falling interest rates. That's good for the share market. It is. But when you have a look at the US 10-year, talking about graphs, which I was earlier on with regard to the all share over the last year and year to date, yes, sideways. But if you look at the US 10-year bond yield, it's gone from in 2020 from 0.65% and it's currently above four and a half percent now i've been talking to someone today in london who says it's not just inflation it's not just interest rates it's not just rhetoric it's not just central banks and their jawboning it's also to do with a hedge fund play the basis trade and i just said to this fellow what happens when this huge trade and it is a huge trade unwinds then what happens what happens to the bond market and to every other asset class and it worries me a little bit because if hedge funds are involved if suddenly they all have to rush for the door then all asset classes suffer well it depends on what their position is i can guarantee you their position is short now they're short of the short bonds yeah so you know they're short bonds so when they change it out they buy bonds which means the yield goes down yeah, if, positive. if they can do so. And, and do you think that will have, obviously, a positive effect on equities markets? Yes, because the big negative on equity market now is higher interest rates, whether it's short-term or long-term, more specifically long-term interest rates. Okay. Well, no, let's chat about the bond because it's very interesting. Thank you. Go on. The bond yields post the global, global financial crisis have been abnormal. And specifically, the last three years until it started to pick up, you know, when it went to that 0.6, they were abnormally low. Because when you look at, I suppose, normal set of circumstances, inflation at 2%, talking in the US now, inflation at 2%, long bond at 2.5%, 3 You know, so somewhere, the long bond should trade somewhere between 2 and 3%. Now, it was, trained, it was trading at 0.6%. And in certain countries like Germany, it's actually negative. Now, that's highly abnormal. And in those abnormal circumstances, the equity market runs like crazy. 
especially the growth shares, which were the tech shares this time around. There's, there's different growth shares each, each cycle, but this cycle, it was the tech shares. And they ran like crazy. And because there's no other alternative to invest your money, you're not going to put your money in and earn 0.6%. You'd rather buy equity. So now the long bond's gone to 4%. I mean, it's gone through the top part of the cycle. In other words, the bond yields are too high now. They've got to actually start to come down at some stage into the future and get back to that 2 or 3% range, which will be maybe this is a good buying opportunity for U.S. government bonds. Certainly the best buying opportunity you've had in 10 years. Well, exactly. I would say it's not so. Longer. I mean, if you see something go up 450, 500%, you'd say to yourself, oh, thank you very much. I'll have some of that and be contrarian. If you're a long term value investor, you may be wrong for the next half a percent or something. But goodness me. And this is a massive, massive market. Lest we forget, this is a 25 yeah. trillion US dollar market, the US yeah, Treasury market. market yeah. This is massive, massive stuff. And it has effects on the markets that you favour, i.e. the equities markets. And looking at yeah. that today... Rising bond yield is bad. Yes. yes all, all throughout the whole world. Yeah, precisely. If you look at a graph and you plot yield versus equity returns, it's a very simple relationship. Yeah. They don't like each other. Yeah. We see where platinum... I mean, I know it's a penny stock, but you do like the platinum stocks at the moment. I think it had a trading update today down 9%. Another South African company, Ascendis, which has been in decline for years, down 3%. For years, yeah. yeah. The other one is Old Mutual. Now, you used to be in the insurance business with Momentum Metropolitan, or Momentum at least. Old Mutual's results came out today. I don't know. Yeah. Can you get excited about these? Are you relieved about these? Look, look, the life insurance, life insurance... It's actually a very, it's, it's a relatively steady market. In other words, they have got decades, well, not decades, they've probably got five to 10 years to reprice their model if it's not working. In other words, they, they it's, a, it's, it's, it's a longer term process that they have. They write policies on a five or eight year basis. They price them at a certain stage. They give certain guarantees. So it's, it's actually a relatively... It's a less risky business than a pure retail business, you know, because they've got this big book. I'm talking the big life insurers now. They've got this big book that they can, if something goes wrong, they can reprice over time. It's actually not a bad business, if not a terribly exciting business. Hmm. And the reason why it's not exciting is, you know, these players are well established in the market. Even if they come up with a new product and a new idea, they can't really make that much of a difference to their profitability. You know, they can go overseas as Mutual did and got caned, got <laughs> totally and utterly caned and came back. And then lots of companies now have gone to China and gone to India, but they've gone in a far smaller scale than what old Mutual went overseas. And, you know, a couple have gone to the UK, and, but it's all small operations. So in other words, it's a relatively boring sector for want of a better word. So whether you would buy them or not all depends actually on the company valuation. You know, sometimes the valuation does fall to quite good levels, you know, quite uh, cheap levels like old mutual. Now there's nothing exciting about the results, nothing bad about the results. You know, they were relatively positive, but this company's trading at a, you know, it's almost a, it's a six dividend yield, 6% dividend yield. 
which is not bad value. So if you want a relatively boring company, but you're going to get a nice dividend yield and the share price, you're not taking much risk buying the share. It's it's not a bad investment, but it's a very specific sort of investor. It's not a Shapiro wouldn't buy this. No, of course not. No, you wouldn't buy this. But no. you know, if you you know, you can put this in the same boat as maybe Metropolitan. Certainly now with the weakness we've seen in the bank share prices, you can put it with first rand, you know, first rand's at 64, 65 rand a share at the moment, it was 72. You know, at 64, 65 a share, it's showing quite reasonable value on a on a longer on the longer term. You know, you can maybe buy Metropolitan, that's also momentum metropolitan, that's also come down a couple of rand in the last while. But these are more, I suppose you can say, widows and orphans. You know, they're not terribly exciting, but they're relatively safe investments. I remember, Wayne, when I didn't take a year off because I was still working because I got a portable studio. I thought, what was it? Be, what would it be like to live in a typical South African dorp? And so I went to McGregor and I lived there and I paid mm. a rent of six and a half thousand rand a month. And I lived there for a year. And it was an experience, I must say. I didn't enjoy it that much, but it was a, a really interesting experience. And I remember having to go to Robertson every Saturday to get my groceries because there was very little in McGregor. Lovely little town, but there's no pick and pay or checkers there. So I used to go to the mm. pick and pay in Robertson. And driving along the main street, there was an old mutual branch. And people yes, were queuing everywhere. there to go in there to pay their, I don't know, their monthly instalments or make withdrawals, whatever it was. And I thought, this is a proper yeah. old South African company. This is yeah. South Africa's DNA is right in front of me in this branch. Yeah. Some of them and Old Mutual are very widely spread. And someone asked me the other day a question about asset management in general. But talking specifically about the banks and the life assurers, yeah. the biggest asset they've got is their distribution network. In other words, they are able to move product. So you have lots of exciting smaller players, especially in the asset management business, that might be fantastic managers with fantastic products or fantastic offerings. If you haven't got the distribution you almost dead in the water there. Are there still people knocking There's on doors, of, for yes. example, in those areas saying, husband will say, dear, the, the old mutual man's here. Let's sit down and make yeah. him a cup of tea and well, give him not, a biscuit and they quite, talk about policies. Is that what happens? It's not, quite, it's not quite as cold as that anymore. A lot of it is referencing and a lot of it is family business. In other words, if grandpa was with old mutual, then, you know, the son signs up and his children sign up and the grandchildren sign up. Then they chat to friends and... So it's, it's more, there's not so much cold calling, I, I, I don't think. Mm. But there is pavement pounding. Guys are following up on leads, yeah. you know, on connections. They, they, it is the biggest asset these, these big um, uh, financial services companies have got. So forget their technical ability, forget their asset management ability, forget their product design ability, forget all the actuaries and all the clever people and the systems. They are, in effect, a selling machine. Yeah. So all the other people give them product to sell, but the true asset that they own is the distribution network and the connections and the however many million policies and people they've got on their books already. Because that's a great source of new business. It's a, the 
you know, your current clients. It certainly is. And talking about you know, South Africa's corporate DNA, Anglo Gold Ashanti moves its primary listing to the New York Stock Exchange. Doesn't do anything in South Africa anymore, but it's still, yes, I mean, people get nostalgic about this. I mean, even, even yeah. Shapiro, who's not a gold investor, and says, you know, this, it's not a sad day, but he felt a little bit emotional and, and other people felt no, emotional it, it, about it. It is. I mean, this was, this was what South Africa yeah. was built on, yeah, for better you know, or for worse. When I when I sort of started in the asset management business was just at the end of a gold run, you know, the eighties gold run, yeah, or the seventies gold run, um, and there were lots of gold bulls around. Then in the environment that I grew up in, asset management, gold was a terrible investment. So all the people who grew up in that environment in asset management are gold bears. You know, they don't they don't like gold, but but that's not the point. The point was. Early, in, let's say late 80s, early 90s, we used to produce 500 or 600 tons of gold a year. And the average mine depth was probably 500 meters, 600 meters. You know, now I don't know the exact statistic, but I doubt if we're producing more than 50 tons of gold a year. And we're producing it at far greater depths. So also in the, in the, in the 90s, you got, you know, four grams per ton of ore brought to five grams per ton of ore brought to the surface. You know, now you might get one gram of ton of ore and you've got to go down three or four times deeper to get that one gram. The the ore body has just run out. Well South Deep, you know, which is the, the which fantastic it, ore body. Yeah. South Deep is isn't it the one goldfield's local asset? Yeah, oh, that's been full of promise for 30 years, man. Yes, but it's four it's Ks down you have to go in order to get the stuff out. I mean, that is quite yeah. extraordinary. So you've got to have a gold price at 2000 to 2500 or something to make yeah. it viable, to keep on digging there. And, that, and that's, you know, it's a depleted resource. It's, it's very, very simple. I'm not saying South African. You know, no, I mean, you've got the tailings South, and everything South else. Africa, it's a de- yeah. mm. In South Africa, it is a depleted resource, and that's why the guys went all over the place to find... Papua New Guinea and Ashanti and the Gold Coast and all over the place to try and find a new new deposits because the South African deposits are essentially mined out, essentially. Yeah. And I mean, just on, you know, so there's no, I mean, when, when I started out, Driefontein and Kloof were fantastic gold mines. Now, I'm not even sure if they're open anymore. Well, they're part yeah, the of the. Uh, just ran out. I think they are, but they're obviously part of a bigger group. Yeah. I remember when coming to yeah. South Africa in 1988 on the South African Futures Exchange, the SAFEX, there was an, a Goldie 30 index. There were 30 mines. Mm. Then it went down to the Goldie 10, and then eventually they said, no, no more gold index. There aren't enough gold, no more gold mines. Shapiro was very upset. Shapiro was very upset when the gold index was taken out there. Why? He never invested and they were in this together with. I know, but he was, he was very, he's very nostalgic about it, even though he's never bought gold. He's very nostalgic. I mean, in the 1970s, in the late 70s, I think there were 30 or 35 listed gold companies, and the market capitalization was about 40% of the JSE. Yeah. Now, we grew up on gold in South Africa. I remember his story. You know, his, his late father was a stockbroker as well. And one of the first orders he had in Diagonal Street, you know, on the open mm. outcry was, open was outcry. A, an order for Lorraine, which was mm. a gold mine. And he got it completely wrong. Yeah. They said buy 300 shares and he bought 3,000 instead. And he always goes on about that. So that's why I think gold is um, <laughs> ingrained in him for, uh, for uh, good uh, and uh, bad Shapiro's, reasons. Shapiro's, 
Shapiro is quite quite a, a nostalgic, emotional kind of guy. He he you know he cut his teeth on the JSE and Diagonal Street and and then it's all gone electronic now. And I think he misses the bulls and bears and the actual trading floor and. Because yeah, no, he I, likes I, I talking rubbish all the time. It. Yeah, exactly. He likes to annoy would, people. They were looking. Look, I don't think Shapiro ever annoys people at all. I don't think anyone. I don't think it's possible to get annoyed with Shapiro because he's a. But you know he's what a I very mean. pleasant man. No, yeah, very he's pleasant. He's a very pleasant man. He's a lovely chap. But he can he can shoot the breeze. Oh goodness me. He can shoot the breeze along with anyone. That's why we have to have a regular with him, you, me, and, and him, yeah. and talk about markets. Because you are opposed to each other when it comes to investments in equities at the moment. He's the, the tech chap, and you're the, the value investor in South African stocks, at which you moment, perceive yeah. to be undervalued. Yeah. He'll try and shoot you down, but in a nice Look, way. And, and, I mean, and I've, I've, I've thought about this, obviously, my virtually my whole adult life, mm. is to what is the right way to invest. And I've done many studies, and many other people have also done many studies on this. Yes. Essentially, you get two kinds of investors. You get growth investors, which is Shapiro, and then you get value investors. Now, I wouldn't call myself a value investor. Right now, I am, but that's just because of the cycle and the downturn in commodity prices. But a true value investor is... Uh, Pete Exactly. You know, and who wins over time? I don't know the answer to that. It's all dependent on what time period you choose to look at the results. I would say they're probably evenly matched over time, but with one enormous distinction. Shapiro's growth investors have six happy years and one terrible year. Value investors have six terrible years and one seriously good year. And generally speaking, and I know Pete well, and I hope he'll take it in a lighthearted vein if he does hear about it, mm. rather go to a party with value with uh, with growth investors and value investors. Yeah. I think the value investors, especially the deep rather value investors, are very Shapiro's. dour creatures. They really are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, rather, 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 go to a, rather go to a party with a whole bunch of Shapiros there. <laughs> They'll have you in stitches. They'll keep you entertained the whole night. The value investors might bore you a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. You wouldn't want to go on a walking tour of the Druckensberg with a deep value investor. That's all I'm saying now, and we shall close close the discussion. But uh, we open a new one now. The world's biggest rugby fan, your partner, must have been mm -hmm. beside herself over the weekend because it was uh, the Springboks 8, Ireland 13. Was she yeah. unbearable afterwards? No, no, she was fine. We actually had a very nice evening. We went with some friends to a local restaurant and watched it live yeah. in the restaurant on big screen TV. And the place was packed and people were dancing and singing and shouting at the ref. It was a real good old fashioned rugby crowd. And we had a lot of fun and we were sorry we lost, but you know, the world's, the world's biggest is a very pragmatic person. She'll analyze the game and say, yes, we lost, but we didn't disgrace ourselves. And if we had a kicker, you might have won. So she's not she's not worried that all of a sudden the Springboks are have peaked and are, and are and are going downhill. She's she's very pragmatic in life in general and also on sport. You know, mm. like we watched the well, what was the game in Georgia? We played Georgia and we won ninety 
70, 90 nil. Mm. You said that's not rugby. These guys shouldn't yeah. even be at the World Cup. Precisely. No one should be beaten by 90 points at the World Cup. And it Cup. shouldn't be a seven-week tournament. It's just too points. much. Yeah. yeah, you can be beaten by 10 points, 15 points, but no one should have a, should have a losing margin of 70 or 90. They, they clear, and, 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 I mean, you probably find half the guys from Namibia and Georgia, you know, have got full-time jobs. They're not even professionals. Of course not. You know, the World Cup, you you should rather play the bigger teams twice in the pool matches and just the the, the, the total outliers. I know they want to promote rugby and, and spread it and that, yeah, but in the World Cup, no one should have a 70 or 90 point. They should have a pre-World Cup where the smaller teams, the minnows, sort themselves out and maybe a couple of them go through to the big ones. But a seven-week tournament is just too much. It's really too much. It's using far too much of my television time. And as for the South African kicker after his first game, what's his name? Marnie Libok, I think his name is. Yeah, exactly. And he did the same again. I mean, South Africa should have won the game against Ireland. Yeah, he's a he's a fantastic rugby player. When you watch him on the field, he's really, really good. But unfortunately, and I think it's all in the mind. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, he just there were he missed. I think he missed three kicks or four kicks. I can't quite yeah. remember. Well, a winning Two margin. Of them he shouldn't have missed. No, he shouldn't. Yeah. What Two did you eat? Shouldn't have. The other one was difficult. Yeah. But it was kickable, but difficult. But then, you know, then Faf came in. He also missed one. So, obviously, the South African team, somehow in their psyche. Now, I'm a good friend of mine is a cop doctor. Uh, uh, what does that mean? Psychologist. A, a doctor of your head. Oh, a yeah, psychologist, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is now many years ago. You were seconded. Oh, this must be two decades ago. You were seconded to the South African cricket team because they got the tag of chokers. You know, they were a good, good team, but they always, when you know, when push came to shove, they choked. They couldn't quite carry it over the line. Mm. And he was seconded to them for, for quite a, a reasonable time period just to try and talk them through it and try and get their heads right. Because I think this thing's, you got the talent, but it's in your head that somehow you 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 get labeled something and, and you just can't, get around it. So, you I mean, maybe that's the problem with South Africa's and, and kicking is that now somehow it's now known that we poor kicker. So whoever comes up and kicks is under such intense pressure that they duff it. Well, it's the same thing with the, with the proteas. With any sport, yeah. Yeah, they've been labelled as chokers. What did you eat at this rugby Ooh, fest? We had a chicken wings meal. and stuff, we had a right? Lovely meal. No, no, we didn't have, I'm not a big chicken wing fan. We had a lovely meal. It's a very Nice restaurant we've gone to. So we had halloumi, uh, uh, grilled halloumi with a lovely, like, bitter lemon cream uh, sauce with it. It doesn't sound nice, but with halloumi, it is delicious. Mm. Then I had salt and pepper calamari. Oh, there you go. Your favorite, which Woolworths has discontinued. My favorite. Yes, we we won't go there. No, we won't. Bring bitter, bitter, bitter memories. Bitter, Mm very painful experience. I know it's painful for you but just push it aside some, go to your nut doctor and crispy, um, he'll sort you out crispy rock shrimp crispy rock shrimp uh, sushi sashimi oh it's a sushi yeah oh gosh very very tasty there were there were four of us there so we shared everything mm. and then we had skinny for, for dinner for, for main for main course 
I had skinny lamb chops done Greek style. What skinny? And they were. How can a lamb chop be skinny? What do you you mean the cutlets? Well, it's about it's it's only actually the the lamb cutlets are about uh, maybe ten millimeters, twelve millimeters thick, and they grill them and they come out crispy, and it is Mm. it is truly delicious. So you had fun anyway, Some despite the fact that you lost stuff. to the paddies. Okay, all right. Yeah, and, and, and for us for us old guys, the yeah. rugby started at nine. We only got home about half past eleven. You must have been exhausted. Sure. <laughs> and then we went out for, for breakfast with our friends the next day to that lovely place with the culinary table at Lanceria Airport entrance. Oh, I'm not familiar with it, but anyway, sounds good. No, yeah, this place is, is actually quite astonishing. It's in like an industrial park with logistics companies. So when you ride in there, you just see trucks going in and out with trailers and things. And it's a proper industrial park. Mm-hmm. But then you go inside, they've got a herb garden. They serve fantastic food. I mean, I had a shashuka there, which is the best I've ever had. I, I mean, I, Isn't I that the thing with the egg and there. everything? That... It's like a Greek or Turkish thing. I think it's a Turkish I thing. think it's Turkish, yeah. And it's got feta and cheese and eggs in it and lots of herbs and spices and tomato and i always put a bit of chorizo in with mine and it's not it's not powerful it's not a you know it's not it's not a a, 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 a like a peri peri hot type of stuff it's actually it is truly delicious and they make lovely coffee and we went there with a whole bunch of friends mm. and we only left you got there at nine and left just about almost 12. I'm surprised your cholesterol level isn't through the roof, Wayne, but that's for another day. We'll, we'll talk about that because you never mention any vegetables or fruit or, or anything. But that, as I say, that is for another time. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment and also an Epicurean. And that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.